this is On The Story and I'm Trishna Begum. Few changes, I thought it was a good time to do away with that long intro. By now, you guys get the idea behind this podcast and if it's your first time listening, hi there, welcome. Every week I chat with a local newsmaker or reporter working very hard on a story and we kind of go beyond the 10 second soundbite that you might see on the news. So every week is a new topic. This week my guest is Daniel Cesari. He owns Saratoga Broadway Deli and they're doing something pretty incredible. His restaurant is giving away free chicken dinners this month and the entire month of December. So he talks about why he's doing it, especially during a time when prices are kind of high. You've been to the grocery store, you've checked out, you know about all of this inflation, but you'll quickly learn from listening to Daniel that his place is run a little differently. And we also chat about his restaurant's social media pages. If you live locally and you follow them, you know Daniel does not hold back. He talks about what's wrong with the restaurant industry, what needs to change. So we're going to get into some of that as well. So this is episode 34. I hope you enjoy it. Here's Daniel. Hi. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Well, how are you? Good, good. Tell me about your title and what it is that you do. I'm the owner of Saratoga's Broadway Deli, and I make sandwiches. Tell me a little bit about your deli, how long it's been around, what kind of things you have there. Uh, Deli's been around for three years. We're a Jewish-style deli, so it's more like, you know, pastrami and corned beef and knish and matzo ball soup, stuff Mm. like that. Is it uh, open for lunch and dinner, or do you also do breakfast? Yeah, we do uh, breakfast and lunch seven days a week, nine to four. And then we actually do like a little Middle Eastern pop-up on Friday and Saturday nights. Nice. Now, you said you opened up three years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where was that in terms of the pandemic timeline? It was a year before everything? the pandemic hit. How has that been? You know, you only had like a year before to rev things up and then boom, pandemic hits. Um, how have you guys been doing? Uh, this may sound terrible, but the pandemic might have been the best thing that ever happened in my business. We didn't have to adapt as much as existing restaurants. Like we launched with delivery, DoorDash, online ordering through our website. You know, 75% of our business was takeout and delivery anyway. When everybody else shut down and started to sign up with DoorDash and integrate online ordering, like we were just sitting there like, we have all these things already. So we stayed open through the whole pandemic. That's fantastic. I follow you guys on Instagram. And a couple of weeks ago, I noticed you are doing something this year that you also did last year with the giveaways for dinners. Tell me a little bit about what that's all about and why it is that you do it, because it seems like a huge undertaking. Yeah, so it even starts before the chicken dinner. So when the shutdown first happened, we actually started our giveaways by giving out free lunches to kids who relied on meal lunch programs and couldn't get them anymore through the school. So like they shut the schools down suddenly and I'm just sitting at Delhi and I'm sitting on all this food and we're still waiting to see what each new week brings for restrictions and what we can do and what we can't do. And I'm like, well, let's give away our food to these kids who, you know, relied on school lunches to have a meal every day. So we started, that was our first program when the pandemic first hit. And then we had a great year you know for a while we were only one of five restaurants open and doing takeout because some restaurants closed and thought all right this is only going to take a month and they were closed for three months you know so we were one of like one of the few restaurants open through the whole thing 
And it really just caused our business to like really explode to get really big. We had such a great year while everybody else had such a terrible one. We thought, you know, there's still families out of work. There are people who lost their jobs or they don't want to go back to work because they don't want to get sick. Like we have enough money to provide chicken dinners to these people who may not be able to feed their families. Wow. So that got picked up by the national news. A lot of companies reached out. So like Purdue reached out and provided all the chickens for free last year. And then, ha and then um, Mattel reached out and gave us a giant box of toys to give out to families that uh, maybe couldn't afford toys for Christmas during the shutdown. Very nice. So we set up a we set up a Hanukkah tree, and people could come in and pick out toys for their kids and stuff. That's fantastic. I mean, I know you said you had a good year, but why why do that? You know, you're not making money off of it. Well, yes and no. It's you know we're not making direct money off of it, obviously, since we're giving away everything for free. But in the long run, it helps the business. People want to support a business that supports the community. So like, yes, if I spend a couple thousand dollars this year handing out free dinners for two months over the, you know, I still had people this year coming in and mentioning our chicken dinners from last year. Have you had people who have benefited from one of these free dinners, whether it was last year or when you first started with the school meals to help out the kids come back to your deli and let you know either how much it meant to them or it really helped them in a time when they were really struggling. Yeah. And, you know, I'm actually getting some of the same people from last year. You know, I've already had a, I already had a family reach out this year and pick one up last Sunday. And they said, you know, last year you also helped us out. And last year you also gave us toys and we're really thankful. We really, really helped to make the kids Christmas special. There's no normal. There never was a normal. So this idea of going back to normal is not a thing that's ever going to happen. Your posts are so honest and they tend to go viral around the local community. And then I know they must have like a national outreach too. Who runs your social media and why do you think it has caught on so much? Uh, I do it. I do the social media and it's all pretty much just based off of my personality, which some might call brusque, but definitely outgoing and honest. But it's also... It's just, I'm just willing to talk about things that everyone in the industry knows, mm -hmm. but no one's ever willing to talk about. Like, it's kind of like when Anthony Bourdain released Kitchen Confidential and it kind of exposed these inner workings of the kitchen industry. It's very similar to that, except that I get to do it on a weekly basis. You know, instead of writing a book every week, I get to come out with, hey, let's bring up the fact that customers are sometimes absolutely terrible people. You know, let's bring up the let's bring up the topic of substance abuse and mental health in the restaurant industry. You know, let's maybe talk about the fact that customers complain about the price of food without taking into consideration what it actually takes to put food on their table when they come out to eat. What made you want to bring that out in the open? Because, yeah, a lot of people may be reluctant to share that because they may say, well, the customer's always right. But those are real issues. And it also helps people on the other end understand. I just got really annoyed dealing with people who judge without thinking about what they're saying. There aren't many industries in which customers feel free to like literally go online and leave reviews that could directly affect their business. 
And sometimes people are just leaving reviews over incredibly stupid things. We have a line out the door and somebody comes in and leaves us a two-star review because their food took too long. Well, you stood behind 30 people before you placed your order. I don't care if you just got a bagel with cream cheese. There are 30 orders in front of yours. And all of those people got bagels with cream cheese too. Like use a little common sense. It's not that hard. Was there a post that you made that you were surprised really resonated with people? Some of them, yeah. Like, uh, obviously, you know, the big ones were the the free dinners, the free lunches. Those did really well. There was a post that kind of went big when I had a female staff member get hit on twice in one day. The second guy, after being rejected, decided to not leave her a tip. And it was it's always been known that wait staff have to be a little flirty, tolerant. You know, they have to put up with these guys who hit on them. They're crass. They're rude for fear that they're not going to get a tip. And so they put up with this abuse. And finally, I was just like, well, let's talk about that. And I'm like, hey, you know, don't be a jerk. Like you said, stuff that you sort of know is going on below the surface, but nobody really acknowledges. And it is important to acknowledge. I think one that I remember specifically, I think it was from the summer and you were talking about people were growing up in bushes. Tell me a little bit about that post and and why you made that. It's just it's just become so ridiculous. And then there was this excuse this year that, you know, oh, everyone's acting out because they were so cooped up last year from the pandemic, from the shutdown. I'm like, no, that's bull. Everyone went out last year during the summer. The restaurants were packed, the bars were full, even if you had to sit down and you couldn't stand at the bar and you had to be six feet apart. Everyone was out drinking. This idea that they were allowed to behave worse to make up for last year. It's like ridiculous. And literally I would wake up, you know, I would, I would come to work, go outside, scrub a pile of vomit off of the sidewalk, pick up all the broken bottles. Someone smashed a bottle of Hennessy, just such a waste. And a lot of the people I would find sleeping on the sidewalk weren't homeless people. They were very well-dressed. They just got really drunk the night before and they're like, oh, this looks like a nice place to sleep. And this was in front of your, your deli? Yeah, they would be sitting. I know like the chocolate shop next to us would leave some of their tables out overnight. There would be people sleeping on that, people sleeping down the corner, security's cameras, you know, catching guys like peeing on the building. And then just the utter just rudeness and just horrible behavior of these people. And then somehow we're supposed to be thankful for them. Oh, you came here and you spent $10 at my deli. Thank you so much. That just still does not excuse your behavior. Yeah. When you think about it in those terms, like, no, no one's saying, you know, don't have a good time, have a good time, but be responsible about it and respect other people's businesses, their livelihoods and, and respect their their person too and in in the way that they treat you also it's just i think people need to be called out on their selfishness and idiocy what do you hope people get out of the at the end of the day with these conversations just a dialogue honestly because there was this myth for decades of this you know the customer's always right they get to do whatever they want because they chose to spend money at your establishment yes within reason that's true there is an agreement you come in you spend money we're nice to you we provide you a good time, we smile, we nod, we laugh at your terrible jokes. It's all part of the transaction. But at some point, the cost of your meal does not entitle you to like slap a waitress on the butt. It doesn't entitle you to like hit on them. And then when you get rejected, literally take away the money that they need to survive. 
at some point there was there was a tipping point at some point where people took this idea that the customer is always right mm -hmm. and turned it into like the customer is allowed to do whatever they want for the low low cost of the price of a meal. So it comes down to like this was one of the, you know I I worked my way up in the industry. I started as a dishwasher and now I'm a business owner. Yeah. And I I've worked every position. I've seen everything front and back of the house. And now that I'm in a position to come from an employee to an owner, I'm also in a position to possibly try and increase the quality of the industry for the people who work for me or work for anybody else. From your perspective in running a business, we've been talking about these worker shortages on the news for months now. Where do you see this going? How have you felt the impact of it? Yeah, we haven't really felt an impact in it. I've, most of my staff have been there for over a year at this point. Mm -hmm. I think my most, you know, green staff members at six or eight months or something like that. Okay. And the rest have been there for like a year and a half. One of them has been there for almost two years. When the pandemic first hit, restaurants cut loose all their wait staff, kept some of their kitchen staff because they could do takeout and delivery. Yeah. And it just really, I think, drove home the point how expendable these people were to their employers. Whereas mm -hmm. me, my staff do everything. We have an open kitchen. They work the cash register, they make your sandwich, they wipe the tables, they mop the floors. My staff are cooks and waiters and hostesses, all wrapped up in the world. So when the pandemic first hit and the shutdowns happened, instead of letting my guys go, I gave them all raises. Because also at the time, it was taking three months or two months for anybody to even get an unemployment check. You know, unemployment was so overwhelmed because the restaurant industry employs, you know, 30 or 40 million people across the country, or even more, probably even closer to 100 million, who all started applying for unemployment at the same time. It was overwhelming. And in New York oh, State yeah. alone, New York City, every restaurant worker in New York City applying for unemployment on top of the rest of the state, it, it overwhelmed the system. I gave them all raises and kept them on board and stayed open for takeout and delivery. When it came time to rehire everybody, people went, Boy, you took no time at all to cut us loose and leave us on our own. And now you want us back for what? The same amount of money we were making before? So what do you think needs to happen? What do you think other places need to do? What can they learn from you in terms of trying to get more people in the door to work for them? I think now is the first time. There was always this myth that working in a kitchen was unskilled labor. And the idea of unskilled labor is a myth. It's a classist myth. Like if working in a kitchen were unskilled labor, there wouldn't, the, one of the greatest culinary schools in the world, the Culinary Institute of America, wouldn't be charging you almost $100,000 a year to get a degree if it were unskilled labor. You know, I know if you took an office person and just made them wash dishes all night, 10 hours on their feet, shoes soaked with dishwater, dried food in their hair, they probably start crying by the sixth hour. And so what's happening is this is the first time that these laborers who have been exploited for decades have had leverage. Hmm. This is them finally being able to say, your restaurant is nothing without us. You know, your restaurant, if you have no cooks, if you have no dishwashers, if you have no waiters, you've got a restaurant full of food and nothing to do with it. Sure. And so now they're leveraging this into finally getting paid what they're worth. There also seems to be, not just in the restaurant industry, but for other industries as well, just 
quality of life and work, work-life balance, like just having 30 minutes to uh, consume a lunch, which doesn't seem to be too yeah. much to ask for. But yet in a lot of industries, it never happens. Especially in the restaurant industry. You can't in the middle of the dinner rush decide to go take a half hour break. Generally speaking, the rule is in the restaurant industry, you eat before your shift or you eat after your shift. So if you work at three, come in at 2.30, get something to eat, or at the end of the night, get something to eat. Imagine working in an office where you went in at the start of your shift, you're expected to eat breakfast before you get there, which is fine, but then you work a 10-hour shift with no breaks, no lunch break, no coffee break, no smoke break, and then sometimes they let you go use the bathroom. Like, that's what working in a kitchen is. And it's not, it's not that like, these are things that employers have put into place, you know, they're not the ones saying you can't take a half hour break. It's the nature of the business. There have been many a days where I've been in a car for eight or 10 hours driving around. And so I, yeah, again, it's, it's not because that's the way people are saying to do it, but sometimes that's just the way the day goes. Uh, yeah, I think also what leads to it too is that there used to be, back in the day when I started working in kitchens, if a place was open for lunch and dinner, mm -hmm. they used to close for an hour. You know, they used to like close between three and four o'clock or four and five o'clock, or sometimes between three and five o'clock. And that allowed the PM guys to prep and get ready for dinner, but that would also allow anyone working a double to have a little lunch. And now restaurants, I rarely ever see a restaurant that's open for lunch and dinner, mm -hmm. close between lunch and dinner anymore. It just doesn't happen. Do you think anything changes? I would like to think so. I mean, the restaurant industry wasn't a sustainable business model. I mean, the fact that most restaurants didn't have a month's worth of money in the bank, mm -hmm was pretty telling you know like i said like from you know I, I talk a lot from the employee side of this now i'll talk about the business side of this like is a most businesses are running on like an eight percent profit margin 10 or 12 at most which means that like you know if you're spending a hundred dollars on a check 10 to 12 8 to 12 dollars of that is profit and that's what goes into the bank to maybe fix something that breaks or cover the extra hours on a slow day or get them through january and february and so a lot of these restaurants, despite how successful they seemed, had a few thousand dollars in the bank and couldn't survive two weeks without income. What the pandemic did was condense the timeline. Some of these businesses would have gone out of business naturally, but it, it caused it to happen all at once. You talked about how you worked your way up. Now you're on the other end of things and you're able to employ people and you seem to be in it for change for the good. Knowing the turnover rates in the restaurant industry and how hard it is to keep a successful restaurant going, why do this? What got you to want to start your own restaurant? You know, it was the only thing I was good at. I actually, I mean, I do have a college degree, but I didn't get it until I was in my 30s. My college degree is in like game design and game theory which actually carried over a fair amount into the customer service industry. Like, really? You know, yeah, because there's a lot of customer engagement, how to keep people interested in your business, how to keep them okay. interacting. It, it really helps the social media game a lot. And that's why our Instagram does so well is because we have great customer engagement. And we yeah. don't always talk about stuff related to the deli. When I opened this, what ended up happening was I was just sick of working for other people. There's a stagnation in Saratoga. 
So I was just walking around Saratoga and I haven't had a Jewish deli experience since I moved up here from New Jersey in like 1998. Mm. So like, why not open a Jewish deli? And it's literally the only one in town. And the next closest one is like Gershon's, I think. Hey, and it's worked out for you. So you're doing a, a lot of things right. But now that, you know, I'm in a position to actually, I'm not just talking a lot of crap here. Like I have a $15 minimum wage. Most of my guys are making well above that mm-hmm. plus tips. They're also making tips, you know? So one of my guys might be making 16 or 17 bucks an hour plus tips on top of that. He's walking away after tips with almost 30 bucks an hour sometimes. And then I also implemented like a four day work week. Like most of my staff work four days a week and then they have three days off. And those, and they make enough money in four days to pay all their bills and to live comfortably without struggling for money. And they're probably more efficient at work. When they come back, three days off is perfect because you have one day to catch up on all the stuff you couldn't do. And then you got two days to maybe go do something. And then what ends up happening is a lot of them end up asking for less time off because they already have three days off a week. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, so it works out well. Four-day work week's nice. Paying them more weirdly makes them so much more happier. Weirdly. Huh. Interesting how that works. I would like to implement more things, but we'll see how the the climate goes. You know, I'd love to start offering paid vacation and stuff like that. Baby steps, baby steps. Um, Daniel, is there anything else that you want to add that I didn't bring up in this conversation? Yeah. So just, you know, touching back on the chicken dinner. So the rest of this year, November and December, if anybody needs a chicken dinner for um, their family, just call up between Monday and Saturday. Let us know if you want one and then come in on Sunday and pick it up. And um, that's all it takes. We don't need an excuse. We don't even need a last name, just a name and a phone number and come in anytime between 11 and five o'clock on Sunday and come get your food. Daniel, thank you so much for everything that you do for the community and for this very thoughtful conversation. Um, I don't get up to Saratoga much, but if I do, I promise I'm going to stop in because I've heard wonderful things. So uh, thank you for taking the time to to uh, chat with me this afternoon. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you to Daniel for making some time for me. Go check out Saratoga's Broadway Deli if you are local to the 518. And for whatever reason, if you find yourself in need of one of those free chicken dinners, I will have all of the information posted in the notes section, in the article, wherever you're reading this on news10.com. You'll find the information. Just scroll down. Uh, You'll find out how to get in touch with him, how to place that free order. Again, he's doing it the entire month of November, which is almost over, and the entire entire month of December. He's also making sure that people have a nice meal on Thanksgiving and Christmas as well, but you need to pick those up on Christmas Eve. Again, all the information in the notes. You guys, that's all for me. I'm so grateful that all of you are listening and made it this far. Have a happy, happy Thanksgiving.